November officially comes to an end this week, and we turn it over to December, the final month of 2023. Can you believe it? Un- unbelievable. Hello there. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. We were off the air for a few days. Hopefully you were able to survive without us. It was tough on our end not having you as an audience, but we sure appreciate the opportunity to have a lot of great food. And I know I personally had a feast on Thanksgiving evening and had a chance to catch up with friends and family and more. And pretty neat. Thanksgiving 2023. Hopefully yours was just as enjoyable and definitely filling. Today we're going to try to get past the Thanksgiving blues and get you set up for a whole new week of talking about what's going on across the Southeast. This is the Y'all Show where we put a spotlight on the Southeast of the United States. John Rawl is my name. I'm the general of all things Southern, and it is my pleasure to pleasure to be with you. If you'd like to get involved with the Y'all Show, it's easy to do. We've got an email address, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We also have a way for you to reach us 24 hours a day, and that's via the Y'all Show text line. That number is 615-208-4184. All easy ways for you to reach us here on the show that shakes the Southland. We've got news headlines to pass along today. In our news headlines, tragedy from North Carolina from the weekend. We'll tell you about that. Also, we've got information about the youngster in Israel, I guess technically had been held by Hamas. A four-year-old American girl is now back after her parents were killed. She's released by Hamas. We'll tell you more about that headline. President Trump over the weekend made his way to Williams-Brice Stadium to see the South Carolina-Clemson football game. We've got some details coming in about Trump's visit to an SEC stadium, and he mostly received a very, very enthusiastic cheer Not too many jeers for the 45th president. A not-so-good story coming out of Vanderbilt University in Nashville. A basketball player for the team arrested Sunday after he allegedly strangled his ex-girlfriend. We'll have you information from the Vanderbilt Police Department that we'll share with you. Also, a lot of sports happenings over the weekend with the conclusion of the regular season. Mississippi State University, the Bulldogs, have picked a new head football coach. I'll tell you who Stark Vegas is turning to to improve their football fortune. Also, from that same football program, the quarterback of the last few years, a Mississippi native and a hero on the MSU campus, Will Rogers announcing he's going to leave Starkville. We'll tell you about his decision to enter the transfer portal. Also, a firing in Monroe, Louisiana, as Terry Bowden, longtime college football coach, Bobby's boy, he's been fired for the ULM Warhawks. We'll tell you that story in our headlines across the southeast today. Plus, we've got information coming to you about how if you are a Tennessean this year, you could get more blackouts coming this winter. I know last year when it was so cold, TVA started, without people's knowledge, shutting off the power for a while. And so look out, Tennesseans, this year you could see these rolling blackouts again in the volunteer state. We'll give you a a little update on that. Adam Sandler's got a new Netflix movie, and it's set at a Florida elementary school. We'll tell you all about this movie called Leo. Also some Taylor Swift news, and we've got in our headlines today a unbelievable redneck-type story that, believe it or not, did not happen in the South. 
<laughs> it's got something to do with getting engaged and a deer hunting trip. <laughs> You're not going to want to miss that headline as we go through today's headlines across the southeast. Also, in this opening hour, before we wrap it up, we've got hashtag Huddlebaloo coming your way. This is where we go on social media and find things or people share it with us. And so today we've got some good stuff Later this hour, we're going to talk about boiled peanuts. That's in the news as a company has got a new offering just in time for Christmas. We'll let you know about that. And then lavender is something that is going to be discussed as there's been a posting on social media that caught our producer's attention, and it's beautiful. And this post basically says this is now a time, now now that Thanksgiving's in the rear view, a time to transition from fall to winter. And lavender is is a way to do that. We'll let you know more about lavender in our hashtag hullabaloo coming up in just a few minutes. Hour two today, we've got an addition to news headlines. We've got a spotlight on history. We've got a lot of folks celebrating birthdays in history today. We've got the late Al Jackson Jr., one of the great sounds coming out of Memphis, Al Jackson Jr. We'll let you know more about him. Then we've got the birthday today. He turned 70, Steve Bannon. The Republican pollster, the guy that helped Trump get in the White House back in 2016, Bannon, who was pardoned by President Trump, he turned 70, the Virginia native. Also a lady that grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, Alex Wagner. You might know her from her time hosting TV shows on MSDNC. Alex Wagner with a birthday today. We'll let you know more about her. Also today in our second hour, we've got our Southern Food for Thought. We've got 61 Thanksgiving leftover ideas that'll make your mouth water. That comes to us from foodnetwork.com. So hang on. I've got plenty of ideas for all those Thanksgiving leftovers that are clogging up your fridge. And lastly, I want to let you know in our final hour today, we've got a Southern culture spotlight. I'm going to try to get into the helping business in our final hour. I, over this Thanksgiving break, I think it was, I lost count there for a while, It was at least two. I think it might have been three times that I witnessed head-on collisions while driving on a two-lane road. And it was all because of bad drivers who don't know the rules of passing cars on a two-lane road. So as a public service today, I have pulled up an article that I'm going to walk through with you. Tips and rules for passing another vehicle. Evidently, there are a lot of you out there who have no clue what to do when you're driving down a road and you're wanting to pass a car because I had to slow down at least two times this past couple of days. And if I had not slowed down, if that's such a word, slown, if I had not slowed down, uh, there would be some dead people right now. And sadly, it probably would have been the car coming toward us who would have no clue that a car was fastly approaching them because they didn't know the rules of the road. And I'm tired of seeing near-fatal accidents out there. It's bad enough we've got fatal accidents. But if you're so impatient, you got to pass somebody on a double yellow line and you're passing without having a clue what's on the other side of that little hill, you're just basically playing Russian roulette on the highways. And I'm not going to stand for it if I can help it. So today, again, we're going to take some time to go back to driving class. Tips and rules for passing another vehicle. That's coming in hour number three, plus a look ahead at what's on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week. A couple of quick headlines before we take a break here. The first story today to tell you about comes 
to us from eastern North Carolina where four people have been found dead near a homeless camp in eastern North Carolina. The three people shot before the shooter ended up killing himself. That, according to the Sampson County, North Carolina Sheriff's Captain Eric Pope. Sampson County is in is where Clinton, North Carolina is, not all that far from Wilmington, North Carolina. And over the weekend, deputies responded to a call about shots fired at this homeless camp, and it appears that now four people are dead as an initial review of the crime scene indicated someone killed three people before killing themselves. Two men and two women found dead near a tent at the end of a private road. The names of the people not been released, but a really disturbing story from the weekend with this horrible incident coming to us from the state of North Carolina. Joe Biden is out talking now about the release of Abigail Edan. She was released by Hamas over the weekend. She was the only American, to my knowledge, that has been released as of now. But the president Sunday confirming that Abigail released. Her parents were killed during this Hamas invasion of Israel back in early October. And this young Abigail, the four-year-old, released as part of a ceasefire deal in the Israel-Hamas war. Biden told reporters, thank God she's home I wish I were there to hold her. She has dual Israeli-U.S. citizenship. Joe Biden said she was safely in Israel, and she was the first American hostage to be released under the terms of the ceasefire deal between Israel and Hamas. Joe Biden said that he did not have information on Abigail's condition. The White House later said that the president spoke by telephone with members of the girl's family here in the United States and in Israel. He also spoke with Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Back on October 7th, Hamas militants stormed her kibbutz, Kafar Aza. That's where Abigail and her parents lived. They killed her parents. She ran, ran over to a neighbor's house for shelter, and that's where she ultimately was captured and has been held in captivity. In fact, she had a birthday while she was being held captive by Hamas. More than 200 people taken to Gaza after the Hamas raid on Israel on October 7th. But right now, the ceasefire going on, and that's a good thing, allowing more hostages to be released from both sides, actually. I think it's like a two-for-one, three-for-one type deal that's been set up as part of this truce with young, I would say, fighting age men who are currently in Israeli jails being released to, in most cases, old women and children that Hamas brought back with them to the Gaza Strip when October 7th happened. Political news here stateside. President Donald Trump did not have a large, big time, or he would say bigly, Uh, rally while in South Carolina, but he did have about 80,000 people for the most part cheering him on as Saturday evening, President Joe, President Donald Trump and the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, a.k.a. Foghorn Leghorn, those two went out on the field at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina to wave to the crowd there that was on hand for the annual South Carolina Clemson football game. 
And just before the Clemson band played at halftime, President Trump and McMaster went out there and waved. And he also watched most of the first half of that football game from a skybox there that McMaster invited him to. And from what I'm seeing, it's been a very positive experience for President Trump. I, I think most every one of the fans there clapped, stood up, and welcomed him in to South Carolina, the first state in the South that has a Republican primary. And that's coming up sooner than you might think. One thing of note to our knowledge, Nikki Haley, who is Trump's probably biggest competitor now for the Republican primary. She is a Clemson alumni. She is on the board of trustees of Clemson University. And as far as we can tell, Nikki Haley was not at that football game Saturday and was not out trying to get voters. I guess she was probably in New Hampshire or Iowa. But Nikki Haley is maybe smarter than you might think. She realizes that in her own state, she's not going to beat Trump in a primary. And so she stayed away. But guess what? Her Tigers dominated in that game, and they won, I think it was 16-7. to So she's got the upper hand. Her team is victorious against that SEC team known as the Gamecocks. But President Trump, good to see him out doing cool things like going to college football games. He's done that twice this year, going to Iowa State for a game earlier in the football season. And then we just saw him over the weekend Checking out the Gamecocks and those Clemson Tigers. Gamecocks dropped a 5-7 and seven after losing that game and should not be going to a bowl in Shane Beamer's third season. we got more football news. I'm going to tell you some big football stories after we take this time out. But as we leave you, this is a sports-related story that really isn't sports today to tell you about. Lee Dort is a sophomore on the Vanderbilt Commodore basketball team. He was arrested Sunday after he allegedly strangled his ex-girlfriend. That according to an arrest report. Early on Sunday morning, Vanderbilt police were called to McTeer Hall after screams were heard from the second floor. As officers arrived, they met with the victim regarding her ex-boyfriend, who was a sophomore forward on the Commodore basketball team and a 21-year-old in Lee Dort. The victim said Dort showed up to her dorm and questioned her whereabouts on Thanksgiving and then took her phone and went through her call and text logs. The report states while she was trying to get her phone back, Dort allegedly pushed and held her against the walk and bedpost by her right arm. She then slid on the bed, and Dort allegedly gripped her by the neck, according to the Vanderbilt police report. The incident ended outside her dorm room in front of witnesses, Dort left before police arrived, but was later arrested for aggravated assault involving strangulation, and he's booked on a $10,000 bond. In response to the arrest, Vanderbilt University said Dort was suspended from the Vanderbilt basketball team pending the outcomes of the university's and legal systems processes. And he's expected to be in court, not on the basketball court, but in the legal court December 8. He's played in one game for VU this year. Scoring one point in seven minutes. So a little used player, a backup, if you will, in Lee Dort. But right now, he's making headlines for Vanderbilt in a not-so-positive way. We've got more sports news to tell you about as we go through the goings-on of the day. Some hirings in SEC land. 
In terms of college football coaches, we've got that info to pass along, plus a firing in the Sunbelt Conference coming out of Northeast Louisiana. We'll tell you all about that as the Y'all Show on a Monday continues. Taking you back to the mid-1980s, that was a number six song for Babs, Barbara Mandrell. We're here on the Y'all Show, giving you all of the goings-on across the Southeast today. And we continue on with our news headlines, although a little sports-centric here in this segment of the Y'all Show with our what's going on across the South on this Monday. So we've got a new head coach hired at Mississippi State University, Jeff Lebby. Picked to take over the Bulldog football program after a rough end to the 2023 season. Mississippi State replaced Zach Arnett earlier in November. He was fired after 10 games and an interim coach came in. And Zach Selman announcing that Jeff Lebby will be Mississippi State's new football coach. He announced, announced that Sunday. Levy has spent the last two seasons as the offensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners. After that, he held the same position for those guys up in Oxford as he coached with Lane Kiffin in the 2020 and 2021 season. And now he's going to be the head coach of Mississippi State, Jeff Levy. And boy, do they need a little offensive oomph there in Starkville after they got really uh, embarrassed uh, would be a good term. They they never got off the schneid in their Egg Bowl game against that team from up north. And as a result, they're going to try to go to a offensive genius, if you will, in Starkville. As the athletic director Zellman said, as we continue to invest in excellence at Mississippi State, the future of our football program is incredibly bright with the addition of Jeff Levy at the helm. I'm confident that Jeff is the perfect leader for the next exciting chapter of Mississippi State football. He will bring an exciting brand of football, elite student-athlete development, and a winning culture to Starkville, all while doing so with high integrity, 
He is a dynamic recruiter and will attract an elite coaching staff and the nation's top talent. Jeff Levy is 39 years old, and he's going to be introduced today on the MSU campus as the new head coach. So in addition to working with Lane Kiffin, he also was Central Florida's UCF's offensive coordinator during the Josh Heupel era in Orlando. He's also coached at Baylor. He is the son-in-law of Art Bryles. And so that's why Art Bryles was actually at an Oklahoma game earlier this year, and there was a real controversial moment of the former Baylor coach even being on the field, and and Levy got into some trouble about this. So I wonder if Art Bryles is going to be welcomed at Mississippi State. I wonder if Art Bryles, since this is a different conference now, is going to be welcomed as maybe some kind of coach, maybe a not-on-the-field coach, but a special type of position created there because Art Bryles, maybe some controversy with him, but, boy, he knows how to coach football. And now his son-in-law taking over at Mississippi State. With the hiring at MSU, which I'm a little surprised that they didn't drag this out a little further, I'm surprised Dan Mullen wasn't highly rumored to be coming back to Starkville to take over this position. Dan Mullen, I'll just say it, is the most successful coach in Mississippi State football history, in my opinion. If you look at the rather dismal history of that program, what he did and taking that program to number one in the country for a time 10 years ago or so, uh, truly, truly a fantastic job by Mullen. Maybe he doesn't want to coach again. I'm not sure what's going on. But after Levy hired at Mississippi State Sunday evening, that leads Power 5 opening still at Texas A&M, Syracuse, Oregon State, Indiana, and at Houston. The Aggies are going to try to hire the latest reports, Mike Elko of Duke University. Elko had been a Texas A&M assistant prior to going to Durham. The big story over the weekend was that Mark Stoops of Kentucky was heading to College Station, but he put a big halt to that, or somebody did. That's why this whole coaching stuff gets rather bizarre this time of year, right when the regular season comes to an end. More information coming out of Mississippi State's football program. I'm not sure what the hiring of Levy is going to do to change this, but the starting quarterback for the last last couple of years for the Bullies, Will Rogers, a legend on the Starkville campus, Story comes out that he's planning to enter the transfer portal. CBS first reported that Rogers would enter the transfer portal, which opens December 4th. He missed out on most of this season due to an injury. Rogers on social media said, I'm thankful to have the privilege of playing for Coach Leach, a legend and a friend, and for all the other coaches who believed in me and gave their all to this program. My teammates are my brothers for life, and over these past four years, we created great memories and great moments. We left it all out there. And this last game, Mississippi State loses to their nemesis, the University of Mississippi, Oxford, 17-7. to We'll find out if indeed he pulls the trigger and enters that transfer portal. This was a tough year for Will Rogers. He was injured, yes, but 
the team still grieving the death of Mike Leach just after the end of last season, and they bring in Zach Arnett, and he couldn't patch it together, and they had to make a change, and they did, and now they've made another change. So even if Will Rogers comes back to Starville this coming season, it would be the third full-time head coach. It would be the fourth coach altogether as these last couple of games they had the interim coach there. The four-wheeler riding (laughs) interim coach coming in for that football program. Best of luck to Will Rogers. The Brandon? I'm not sure if he's from Brandon, Mississippi, but he's somewhere around the Jackson area. That's where he grew up there in the state of Mississippi. More news out of college football. Terry Bowden has been released as the head football coach of Louisiana Monroe. This is the former Auburn and Samford coach. 67-year-old son of Bobby Bowden was 10-26, and 26, guiding the Warhawk Indians and Laney Wilson alma mater, also known as Tim McGraw U, Louisiana Monroe. And ULM went 4-8 and eight in each of Terry Bowden's first two seasons. This year, they went to 2-10. and 10. They got a victory over West Point to start the year. But, boy, they went downhill from there. They went 0-8 in the Sun Belt Conference and had 10 straight losses to end of the year. That's right. They won their first two games and then lost the next 10. So, A.D. John Hartwell. I didn't know that John Hartwell was at Louisiana Monroe, the former Utah State A.D., and a guy that I knew during his time hanging out in the 38655. John Hartwell announcing that Bowden out as the head coach of Louisiana Monroe. He's also coached the UNA Lions and Akron before coming back into FBS football, coaching the ULM Warhawks. So a tough gig there in that Sunbelt Conference. By the way, kudos to the Sunbelt Conference. They've got, we counted them up, me and my assistant, They've got, I think, 14 members in that conference. 12 of the 14 Sunbelt Conference members are bowl eligible. And it looks like they're all going to be bowling this year because there's a shortage of teams. That's why James Madison is going to be getting into the bowl picture as well as Jacksonville State. But what a job by the Sunbelt Conference. I think only Southern Miss and maybe Louisiana Monroe are the only members who are not bowling in the SBC this year. Pretty, pretty good stuff. We've got more non-sports stuff to tell you about as we go forward in our news headlines today. We've got some entertainment news that we'll be sharing. Some Adam Sandler developments. He's filming a new movie, Leo, and it's about to come out on Netflix. We'll tell you about how this this movie, Leo, from Adam Sandler, was filmed at a Florida elementary school. That Plus, speaking of Florida and entertainment, the Gators, if you're a student there and you're looking for an easy class to take, well, this one may not be so easy. It's a new class devoted to Taylor Swift being offered at UF. What in the world is this all about? I'll let you know. Plus, a marriage proposal befitting of Dixie that was not held in Dixie. But it's redneck to the core, (laughs) y'all. I'll tell you what that's all about 
And does this stack up to maybe how you asked Sweetie for her hand in marriage or vice versa? We've got all that coming up here as we continue on with this Monday, November 27th, Y'all Show. As we return from the break, we have a look at hashtag Hullabaloo, some fun stuff off of social media. I'm going to tell you about some boiled peanut happenings on social media, and it's all about lavender, baby. Taylor, thank you for the setup there. The only song I could find that had to do with Lavender. We're back on the Y'all Show. We're wrapping up this opening hour of our first show of the work week. After a few days off for Thanksgiving, we're back here in the saddle. Thank you for sticking around for the show that covers all things Southern. Speaking of Taylor, as we told you in the previous segment, we've got some news about what the University of Florida is going to be doing in terms of the Pennsylvania Yankee turned Middle Tennessee turned California cutie. I guess you could call her that. She might sue me now. Bring it on, Taylor. I'll see you in court. We're back here talking now social media fun. And I'm sure she's been called a lot worse than cutie. But we've got lavender on our mind. And that comes to us from Melody St. James at Mel's Bracelets, where on X she writes that she loves nature, landscape. Flowers, rustic scenery, fashion, and all things beautiful. Thank you, Miss St. James. And she's got a photo that caught our attention here. It's a picture of beautiful purple flowers in wicker baskets. And so she's got the description, perfect autumn porch about to slide into winter. Hashtag lavender. (laughs) And it is beautiful. You know, we've got the... Typical, since Thanksgiving was just the other day, and Halloween was not long before that, you've got the orange and brown colors of fall. But y'all, Thanksgiving and Halloween are gone. It's time to turn the page. And so one way to do that slide, as Melody writes, into winter, is to change up your your flowers, your, your, your pretty plants. And so purple is a good option this time of year, and lavender is the choice of Melody St. James. Now, English lavender 
is not actually native to England, but also it's it's native to the Mediterranean area. It's a favorite for its sweet, relaxing floral aroma, and the flowers and leaves have a long history of use in traditional Western herbalism. Dried lavender flowers can be added to potpourri blends used as cooking or baking spices and also into body care recipes. I know you've seen the stuff in the grocery store where you can have a lavender bath. <laughs> lavender is a good option for a lot of different things, and it's also a beautiful flower. Generally, it's purple, uh, sort of a light purple, and it is a great choice, again, for this time of year, as it can be found as the common lavender or true lavender Got a great floral aroma that's rather sweet if you've smelled it. Lavender is an aromatic perennial evergreen shrub. I'm about to sneeze, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about flowers and the aroma, and I'm about to sneeze, so bear with me here. Uh, it's woody stems bear lavender or purple flowers from late spring to early autumn, although there are varieties with blossoms of white or pink. Lavender is... A great choice for this slide, as Melody St. James wrote, slide into winter. So check that out. Of course, let me remind you, not only should you consider switching up your flowers and other plant life from orange and brown to purple, but hey, we got to support our fellow Southerner, our guy from the South who has a flower named after him. And it's perfect for this time of year. Do you know who I'm talking about? It's not Daisy, and it's not Mr. Petunia, and it's not Mr. Rose. We got a flower, and I'm going to have to do more of a spotlight on this sometime and tell you more about Mr. Poinsett of South Carolina, who has the Poinsettia named after him. And this is the time of year where you start seeing the beautiful red red poinsettias. You see the White poinsettias, there's even some blends, and it is a beautiful thing this time of year when poinsettias start showing up, and it brings back a great memory for me, a real inspiration in my life. She was born December 14th, back in 1914, she was like a second mother to me, and Traditionally, I would send her a poinsettia because it was a perfect birthday gift to send her that a couple of days before her birthday. And then she'd have it not just for her birthday, but she would have it all the way through Christmas. And unfortunately, she passed away 15 years ago, and I don't have that poinsettia to give her in person. But you know what? I guess I could put it on her gravesite, even though I'm a long way from it right now. It's a good memory. And don't forget about our loved ones who've gone away to be with the Lord. A poinsettia is a nice little thing there at the gravesite. I guess they have artificial poinsettias as options too, but keep that in mind, a poinsettia to go along with lavender this time of year. Let's move over from talking about poinsettias to boil the bag. They're on social media at Porter Reg One on X. And boil the bag a.k.a. at Porter Reg 1, 
is Porter's almost famous Boil the Bag Peanuts, a self-contained boiled peanut kit. If you've never boiled peanuts, then you need to do it with Boil the Bag. And they've got something that caught our eye here, is they've got a post on social media from their account about the best prices of the season. And so, again, you can get this self-contained boiled peanut kit. Now, you got to really be far away from the South if you're going to have to have a kit to make boiled peanuts because even in the middle of winter, you usually can find boiled peanuts somewhere. Now, a lot of gas stations have boiled peanuts in cans, and they come in, like, flavors that are rather hot in some cases or spicy. And if you really are into that kind of thing, go for it. I still think a boiled peanut should be served up in a little brown paper bag. (laughs) One of my favorite memories of going to the Pensacola area or the Panhandle of Florida, you got a couple of places, if you're coming from the north, you got a couple of places in South Alabama that are making a killing, especially in the summertime months having people like me pull over and get a bag of boiled peanuts on the way down to the Emerald Coast. Great, great memory. One, one, one of the traditions. In fact, I remember getting boiled peanuts when I'd go to Myrtle Beach, come to think of it. So I guess when you're going to the beach, no matter which one it is, stopping off and getting boiled peanuts kind of goes along with the tradition, the fun. And what a great memory. But if you don't, have that memory, or you don't know, or you're in a boiled peanut, if you're in a BP desert and you're millions of miles away from those brown paper sacks that are leaking through, then check out this option, (laughs) y'all. Let's go now to Ray Holmes in Pennsylvania. At chooses underscore truth is the X account for Ray Holmes in PA. And he writes here on social media, getting a little political with us. Mike Johnson, Trump, no labels are sycophants for Britain, France, and Russia. Democrats, the voters know better. Okay, I don't know what he's got here, but he's referencing a Lincoln Project post. That is a effort to bring down Trump at Project Lincoln on social media. And they had a post up over the Thanksgiving break that said, former President Trump is more dangerous than some of the most not- notorious dictators in the history of the world, says former senator turned MSNBC pundit Claire McCaskill, the former Missouri senator. Again, calling Trump more dangerous than some of the most notorious dictators in the history of the world. Now, I didn't see the Claire McCaskill interview, but is she now teamed up with Project Lincoln, the Lincoln Project, helping them out, a lady who never was a Republican? Is that where we've gone now as a society? It sure seems that way. And she found her way to the bright lights of MSNBC pretty quickly after she went down to Josh Hawley, who now sits in that seat. Josh Hawley credits Donald Trump for his election in 20, 
maybe 2019 or something like that is when he won that election over McCaskill. Maybe it was 2018 now that I think about it. But I remember him going to Cape Girardeau, and it was a big rally there in, in Cape Girardeau that Rush Limbaugh, I think, was able to come. That's Rush Limbaugh's hometown, and this would have been just before he passed away. And he was there, and gosh, who else was there? It was a it was a big event when Trump went into the boot hill to promote Hawley, and that that boot hill vote is was was very instrumental in getting Hawley across the finish line against Claire McCaskill in that election. And I think Rush Limbaugh's brother also was there in attendance, and he, I think, remains a guy that lives in the Cape Girardeau, Missouri area and writes books. I got a book sent to me not long ago that he penned, and I don't think he was quite the firebrand that his brother Rush Limbaugh was, but uh, pretty wild stuff. And now Clara McCaskill, evidently she's a firebrand on the left side with Rush Limbaugh no longer doing his excellence in broadcasting as he's moved on to the great broadcasting seat in the sky. And that is a look at some social media fun for this opening hour. We got more y'all coming up. You don't want to miss it here on a Monday. Continuing on with the fun on this Monday, it's the Y'all Show. Broadcasting on great radio stations in Dixie. We're also available in podcast form. You can find the Y'all Show on great podcast options like Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes. And you can find the Y'all Show on y'all.com. The South's homepage. Appreciate all those of you who listen to us. And appreciate all of you who I personally run across. And they say, hey, what you up to, John? What's going on with you these days? And I tell them, well, I got this little show called The Y'all Show. That I'm hoping it's not so little too much more. We got to change that. And one way we can make The Y'all Show get bigger and bigger is to grow our audience. So thank you for all of you who've taken the time to hear my pitch on how you need to be a Y'all Show podcast listener. And then, if you like what you hear, please do me a favor and share it with all kinds of folks so we can truly make this show take off much more than it already has. And so thank you very much. I had a very pleasant Thanksgiving evening dinner with some great friends, longtime friends of mine, and his brother and his brother's girlfriend had come over from Austin, Texas to this Thanksgiving meal. And I had really had not been around the brother that much other than the wedding of my friend and his wife. 
And this guy is considerably younger than my friend and, and much younger than me. But he and his girlfriend were there at the Thanksgiving meal, and, and she seemed real interested in what I'm doing at the Y'all Show. So she sat there while we were at the Thanksgiving meal and and found on Apple Podcasts the Y'all Show. She subscribed. So, Samantha, if you're listening, thank you so much for tuning us in. And we uh, will do our best to, to give you all the latest goings-on of the South and give you a little Texas news when we can, too, all of what's happening in the Lone Star State we try to cover here on the Y'all Show, as well as all the other great 16 total southern states that we have smothered, covered, and, and, and diced, and all the other Waffle House phrases we can use here on the show that's all about the the South. And uh, Samantha, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about that incredible meal that uh, that we enjoyed there, thanks to the Hearmans. And uh, Matt Hearmans, by the way, who hosted me Thanksgiving evening, if you're a longtime Y'all Show listener, Matt has been on our show for many years doing his barbecue barrister report. And I've got to get him back on here. This is He and I, I promise, are not having a, a uh, controversy between us. I mean, he invited me over for Thanksgiving evening. That's pretty strong. But it's just been a matter of timing. But we want to try to get him on more frequently as a guest because he's been a part of this Y'all Show for many, many years. I just haven't had him on lately, but we're going to do it. And you talk about a guy that knows how to cook, and he cooked that Thanksgiving turkey, and he injected it with all kinds of spices and more, and it was um, delish, and all the other fixings and desserts, and just a great, great, great job. And I was a good Southerner. You know, when somebody invites you over for dinner, you should really do something kind in return. And the only thing I could think of that would really make Matt very excited was to bring him beer. So I brought him a 24-pack of uh, bottled beer. I tried to get the crafty stuff, the real high-dollar, cool, like local brew type stuff. But unfortunately, Thanksgiving Day, at least for me, was not a good day to go buying craft beer because all my grocery store options closed down after lunch, and I didn't get to his house till the evening hours. And so all I could go for was the gas station option. And the best I could do there was a natty light. No, I got an ultra for him and, uh, happy to do it. He, he, he actually opened it up and had a few while we were there. Cause he loves him some, some adult beverages. And you know what? On a day like Thanksgiving, perfectly fine. And we had a little wine with our meal and I had a couple of, uh, craft beers that he had there in the cooler on that Thanksgiving meal. Okay, I'm boring you, I know, but I hope your Thanksgiving was awesome, and I hope you had a delicious meal, and you may not have had a barbecue barrister cooking up all your fixings and your turkey like I did, but I bet you it was meaningful and special, and we all across the South enjoyed good weather and a rather peaceful time of year across this portion of the Southeast with no, at least American wars going on at the current time that we're fighting in and in a big way. And we have a lot to be thankful for. And many of you, I'm sure, took that opportunity last week to do exactly that. We're thankful that you have tuned in on this Monday Y'all Show. We've got some headlines to pass along, including Adam Sandler with a movie that's got to do with a Florida elementary school. I've got that story that I'll tell you about in a moment. Also in this second hour 
of our broadcast. We've got a look at Southern history, specifically people with birthdays on this Monday, November the 27th. And Steve Bannon, turned he turned 70 today. Steve Bannon, the guy that's a real mouthpiece for Donald Trump and more. I, I like Steve Bannon's style. I mean, he really does have a cool style with the gray hair, pull back a former naval officer and more. And uh, he's, he's a cool cucumber. Steve Bannon with a birthday today. We'll tell you more about the Virginia native. Also today is the birthday of MSNBC host Alex Wagner. I'll give you the Southern scoop on her. And the late Al Jackson Jr., a Memphis musician with a birthday on this date in history. All that's part of our Southern history that we'll be sharing. Before the hour is up, so we were just talking about how the barbecue barrister cooked all this great Thanksgiving stuff. Well, what about you? If you've got a refrigerator full of leftovers from Thanksgiving, what do you do with it? Should you throw it out? We just heard a report on the news, if you happen to catch us on our flagship station, about how Thanksgiving leftovers have about a four-day shelf life. That is, if it's been refrigerated this whole time. If you are past that four days, you better throw that stuff out. But let's just say you did the right thing. You still got Thanksgiving leftovers. Well, we've got 61 Thanksgiving leftover ideas that'll make your mouth water. That comes to us from foodnetwork.com, and we'll have some of those. I'm not going to go through all 61, but we've got a lot of those that we'll be talking about later this hour in our Southern Food for Thought. All that right here on the Y'all Show. To text us anytime, 615-208-4184. Would love to hear from you on the Y'all Show. Our big story across the nation on this Monday, at least coming from the South, four people have been killed outside of Clinton, North Carolina. That's in eastern North Carolina. Roughly between Raleigh and Wilmington is where you'll find Autryville, the community of which this shooting happened in Sampson County, North Carolina. It looks like three people were shot to death in what appeared to be a campsite for homeless people. And it looks like two men, two women found dead. And the three people killed were, it looks like, killed by one of the other people who turned the gun on themselves. According to the sheriff's captain of Sampson County, North Carolina, Eric Pope. The names have not been released. Investigators are still collecting evidence. But in this community, small community of Autryville, North Carolina, four people dead near this homeless camp. And a tragedy from this Thanksgiving weekend. Elsewhere, President Trump found his way to South Carolina over the weekend. He attended the big South Carolina versus Clemson football game Saturday evening at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia. A very, I would say, Trump-friendly crowd greeted him. I watched the video. I heard a few boos, but by far a lot of cheering for the 45th president who is on the ballot in South Carolina. It is the first state in the South to host a Republican primary. It is the first state in the country to host a Democratic primary. President Trump found his way to South Carolina as a guest of Governor Henry McMaster. McMaster has already endorsed President Trump for president. McMaster took over as South Carolina governor when Nikki Haley resigned to go be Trump's U.N. ambassador. 
And so some division there and some division within the front runners of the Republican primary because Trump by far is the front runner. But if you look at who's number two, number three, Nikki Haley of South Carolina has made quite a nice gain here lately according to polls. And she's a Clemson alumnae and a trustee of that university in South Carolina. And she was AWOL at Saturday's Clemson-South Carolina football game. I don't know what's going on with Nikki Haley, but Trump took advantage of her absence to come out, not that she would beat him anyway in South Carolina. But he came out to the uh, field at Williams-Brice at halftime and walked around, took pictures, and then took off. Had a good time in front of over 80,000 folks at Williams Bryce, a.k.a. the the Willie B of college football. Tennesseans, listen up. As temperatures begin to plummet across the state of Tennessee, people are wondering if, once again, you're going to see blackouts take place this winter as you did last year. If you were in the state of Tennessee around late December, when that cold snap came and you had temperatures going down into the negative temps. TVA and other power outlets in the state of Tennessee and other states too, but mostly Tennessee, started shutting the power off for a while. And so those rolling blackouts really, really made some people suffer temporarily. All that in an effort to conserve energy during the unprecedented demand that the TVA had there in December of 2022. And according to a report out, it's a problem that's going to likely continue this year. That according to former U.S. Congressman Jim Matheson, who's now the CEO of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. As according to the former congressman, the problem is pretty basic. Demand is growing and supply is not keeping up. That's why if you're a Tennessean and surrounding states, I would caution you, you should be on the lookout for these rolling blackouts coming this winter across the southeast. Yikes. Temperatures in a lot of the south today waking up below freezing. That's why you might want to head on down to Florida and check out this new movie about to come out from Adam Sandler. As the funny man has this new Netflix movie about to arrive called Leo, an animated musical comedy. And it comes out Tuesday. The story is through the eyes of a grumpy 74-year-old lizard that Adam Sandler voices. And it's based on the final year of elementary school. When Leo the lizard learns he only has one year left to live, he worries he's wasted his life in a cage and tries to plot his escape when a kid in the school is assigned to take him home. (laughs) Uh, And all of this, according to Netflix, is set. The movie is set in a fifth-grade class at Fort Myers Elementary School, a fictional school in South Florida. Fort Myers Elementary School. Is there not really a Fort Myers Elementary in southwest Florida? This new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix is PG, co-written by Sandler, and also it stars the great Rob Schneider. 
And Jackie, who's Adam Sandler's wife, boy, she's in a lot of movies. I was watching, along with a really close buddy of mine, over the Thanksgiving break, they decided to start watching Paul Mark Mall Cop 1. You know, there was a sequel to that thing. And they were watching Paul Mark, is it Paul? Paul Blart Mall Cop. There you go. With Kevin James. And Adam Sandler's wife, Jackie, is a actress in that movie. And the person I was with mentioned, God, who is that woman? She's in all these movies. I said, that's Adam Sandler's wife. He goes, oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, she usually has a pretty funny part, Jackie. And this movie also has the Sandler's two daughters, Sadie and Sonny, in it. If you have a chance to check out Leo, brand new on Netflix from Adam Sandler. And some of his Netflix movies, he's about a 50-50 in my opinion with his comedy on Netflix. Uh, Some of them are just as funny as his Waterboys and the other movies he's done that are hilarious. But there's been a couple of duds in my opinion. But uh, boy, isn't Netflix a great thing when they can put out new Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider type films? (laughs) All right, another Florida store to tell you about. Hey, it's the lady we played a music uh, song from her earlier, Taylor Swift. She and UF in the news because if you're ready for a really cool course to show up at the University of Florida, guess what, Gators? There's going to be a new Taylor Swift course coming in 2024. The course is called Musical Storytelling with Taylor Swift and other iconic female artists. It's a 13-week deep dive into Taylor Swift's discography. Students will, quote, draw parallels between Swift's enchanting lyrics and works by other famous female masterminds, such as Aretha Franklin, Billie Holiday, and Dolly Parton. The course description says, by analyzing themes such as old flames, infidelity, aging, and double standards. The University of Florida now joins other colleges and universities across the country that are offering courses inspired by the anti-hero singer Taylor Swift. I didn't realize the other other colleges already jumped on the Swift train, but it looks like the very prestigious Berkeley College of Music up in New England has done this, as well as Stanford and NYU. And back to the Sunshine State, in Coral Gables at the University of Miami, graduate students there can explore Taylor Swift's approach to intellectual property as part as a as part of an entertainment law degree. And Taylor Swift did not even go to college, y'all. And here you got people going to college to study Taylor Swift. Huh. I thought college was all about studying the opposite sex and studying partying. They didn't have Taylor Swift colleges. <laughs> Taylor, that'd be good. Taylor Swift College, TSC. Uh, they didn't have that when I was growing up. By the way, speaking of a complete idiot thing to say, over the weekend, there was a little football game called The Game. 
between Michigan and Ohio State. And as the Wolverines won that game, their interim coach, because their head coach has been on the sideline, literally, Because his team got caught spying on the other teams. And Jim Harbaugh watched the game at his brother's house Saturday between Michigan and Ohio State. But the interim coach, and I don't even know his name, he, he did a good job. He, he led the team to a couple of victories. Right when the game ended, the cameras go and capture him on, on, uh, on the field. And the Michigan Wolverines interim coach said something about Michigan University. (laughs) And that is where he is employed by. He doesn't even know the name of the school of which he works. That's sad. I'm in a a sneezing attack, if you haven't figured it it out. (laughs) Maybe that'll do it right there. But, yes, he called his own employer the wrong name. That's, That's not smart. Michigan... To their credit, got the victory over Ohio State. They're going to be playing for the Big Ten Championship, and if they pull out the victory over Iowa, they'll be in the college football playoff with at least one SEC team. Okay? I get emotional when I start talking about Michigan football. No, I'm just kidding. I've been uh, sneezing away here for a moment. But anyway, we'll take a break. Maybe I can uh, gather my nose, and uh, we'll continue on with this Monday edition of the show all about the South. When we come back, we've got some birthdays to tell you about as folks celebrating big days, including the 70th big day for the big guy, at least the hero for Trump in 2016, the guy that helped push him across the finish line to win president, the guy that kept him in the race, frankly, Steve Bannon. We'll tell you about this Virginia native and more, and a Memphian with a little... Connection to Memphis's music history with a birthday on this date in history. All that is right ahead on the Y'all Show. I like the sound of that. We're back here on the Y'all Show, and we like the sound of you staying with us here as we continue to cover all things going on across the Southeast on this program powered by Y'all.com, the South's homepage. And we've got now a time here on the program to spotlight Southerners and more as they're celebrating birthdays and history and all the other goings-on of the South. And the reason we played that clip there of a guy beating a drum It's called the Al Green slash Al Jackson Jr. drum sound. So if you're a drummer, then chances are you've heard of Al Jackson Jr. somewhere in your studying up of what's going on in the percussion world. And Al Jackson Jr. 
an American drummer, producer, and songwriter. He was a founding member of Booker T and the MGs. And he was part of the session musicians. She worked at Stax Records and produced their own instrumentals. And he was affectionately dubbed the Human Timekeeper for his drumming ability. Al Jackson Jr. was born on this day back in 1935. He would die in his hometown of Memphis at the age of 39 in 1975. Again, part of the Stax record legendary label. His daddy was a jazz swing dance, had a jazz swing dance band in Memphis. And young Al started drumming at an early age and began playing on stage with his father's band back in 1940. And again, along the way, he helped form MGs with Booker Jones and uh, some great music they did there. He co-wrote or played on several hits by Al Green, including Let's Stay Together and I'm Still in Love with You. He also was a session drummer for Elvis, Wilson Pickett, Leon Russell, Jerry Lee Lewis, Eric Clapton, Rod Stewart, and others. In 1975, four years after the release of their last album, Melting Pot, the members of Booker T and the MGs decided to wrap up their individual products and devote three years to a reunion of the band. And just after that announcement, sadly, on September 30th, 1975, Al Jackson Jr. was murdered. He was scheduled to fly from Memphis to Detroit to produce a major Lance session. And, uh, okay, this is the, this is that crazy story that I was going to tell you all about at one time in the, in the past and I, and I did not do that. So, so listen up. On the death of Al Jackson Jr. back in 1975. So he was legally married, but he was estranged from his wife, Barbara. And in July 1975, his wife had shot him in the chest, but he decided not to press charges. And he was in the process of filing for a divorce and intending to move to Atlanta so that he could begin working with stack singer and songwriter William Bell. And... Al Jackson Jr. attended the screening with Eddie Floyd and Terry Manning. And after this screening, he returned home to find intruders in the house. And he was told to get down on his knees and was fatally shot five times in the back. At 3 a.m., His estranged wife ran out into the street yelling for help. She told police that burglars had tied her up and shot her husband when he had returned home. Police found nothing out of place in the house, and Jackson's wallet and jewelry were still on him. The men men believed to have pulled the trigger had reportedly known someone in Memphis. After robbing a bank in Florida, that person told the alleged trigger man to meet him at Al Jackson's house tracked through Florida and Memphis and then to Seattle, Washington, the suspected murderer, the boyfriend of Barbara Jackson's friend, Denise LaSalle, was killed by a police officer on July 15, 1976, after an unrelated gun battle. So this wasn't a setup, it looks like, from his estranged wife. 
the suspected murderer, again, was the boyfriend of Barbara Jackson's friend, Denise LaSalle. And Denise LaSalle, a late singer who was a Mississippi-born lady that was a R&B singer that had success in her own right. She was known for Trapped by a Thing Called Love. And just ended up having a very good, successful career of her own. But at that time, back in the 70s, her boyfriend was a murderer, it looks like. Anyway, that's the story on Al Jackson Jr., gunned down at 39 years old of Stax Records fame. I was actually confused. That's a, that's a tragic story there. But there's also a story about the grits, burning the grits story. I don't know if I told you all that story or not. But uh, that's another one that's got to do with 1970s and 80s Memphis that I'll have to, I have to dig that one up for you sometime. Today is the birthday also of the late actor James Avery. He was born in Pewsville, Virginia, in the Suffolk, Virginia area. Born in 1945 there in the Old Dominion State. He served in the Navy in the Vietnam War and would go on out to California after his service. He received a scholarship to UC San Diego and then got involved in acting. James Avery, best known for his role as Philip Banks in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, also as Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and on L.A. Law, he was Judge Michael Conover. You know his face. James Avery, the Virginian, born on this day back in 1945. He died in 2013 at the age of 68. James Avery with a birthday today. Also, another Virginian with a birthday today. Today is the day of birth of Stephen Kevin Bannon. He turns 70 years young today. The Norfolk, Virginia-born political uh, strategist, maybe the word I was trying to find the best word to use, a media executive. He's been on the radio for a long time. He's Helped Trump win the White House in 2016 and then quit and then worked in the White House and got in trouble and then got pardoned by Trump. He's a former investment banker. He was the White House's chief strategist during Trump's first seven months of office. He's the former executive chairman of Breitbart News. Steve Bannon, 70th birthday today a Virginia Tech alum, as well as a Georgetown and Harvard alum to boot. The Virginian with a big day today. Today's also a guy for for a Washingtonian born on this day, born in D.C. Back in 1955 on this day, Bill Nye, the mechanical engineer and TV presenter, He's had the TV show that ran back in the 90s, Bill Nye, the Science Guy. And he is a pretty familiar face. Got the bow tie that he wears a lot of times. And he's the definition of nerd, I guess you would call him. But he's done quite well with that that title throughout his career. 
Bill Nye, turning 68 years young today. Happy birthday, sir. Today's also Alex Wagner's birthday. She, just like Nye, born in Washington, D.C. on this day. Back in 1977, she turns 46 today. She's the host of both Alex Wagner Tonight and Netflix's The Mole Reboot. Alex Wagner Tonight airs on MSNBC. She's also author of Future Face, A Family Mystery, and other books. She was an anchor on the daytime program Now with Alex Wagner for several years. That aired on MSNBC. A very, very talented and beautiful television presenter, Alex Wagner. Born on this day in 1977, she attended Brown University. She's an Ivy Leaguer. She's married to Sam Cass. They have two children. And again, she is on TV. She describes herself as a progressive. Surprise, surprise that she's on uh, MSNBC. Alex Wagner, birthday today. Happy birthday. That wraps up our look at the Southerners with big days today across the Southeast. That also wraps up this section of the Y'all Show. We've got one more little section. We're going we're gonna to get to it right after the break. We just had Thanksgiving. you got plenty of food maybe still sitting there. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you one thing you can do about it. Perhaps you can take our advice and specifically foodnetwork.com's advice of leftover ideas. We got 61 of them. We'll try to get a few to a few of them when we come right back. There's an old Kodak camera in my dresser drawer. I ran across it just this afternoon And I realized that I don't ever use it anymore In fact, last time I did I think it was with you When we were down in Cozumel We had the whole beach to ourselves And it's crazy now to think that it's all there on that film And I could take it to the store To be developed but what for I can still see everything just fine And who needs pictures With a memory like mine Oh, man, that's the song that got Brad Paisley kicked off in 1999. Who needs pictures? Isn't that a, just a great-sounding song? And just a little baby back in 1999, right out of Belmont, Mr. Mountain State himself, Brad Paisley. We're going to wrap up this second hour of our Monday Y'all Show with Thanksgiving on our minds, specifically those Thanksgiving leftovers as FoodNetwork.com has got an article posted, 61 Thanksgiving leftover ideas that'll make your mouth water. Give your turkey day extras new life by turning them into soups, pot pies, sandwiches, waffles, 
and more. Man, I don't know if I can stomach all the things here that Food Network's got here about what to do with all your Thanksgiving leftovers. Because I bet you if you did cooking, even if you didn't do cooking, there's a good chance that somebody said, here now, honey, you take this with you. I don't need it, so you take it. And you're like, okay, I better take it because I don't want you talking bad about me. (laughs) How about this one? Leftover mashed potato pizza. And at foodnetwork.com, every one of these things has a link to where you can get the recipe for them. But according to this article, there's no need for tomato sauce on this pizza. It uses leftover mashed potatoes instead and is topped with mozzarella, bacon, leek, garlic, and basil. Leftover mashed potato pizza as a mouth-watering Thanksgiving leftover idea from foodnetwork.com. How about this one? Leftover stuffing waffles. Use up a whole lot of leftovers by cooking a stuffing-based batter and a waffle iron and topping the waffle with mashed potatoes, gravy, and a dollop of cranberry sauce. And it looks amazing. I have not had it, so I cannot vouch for how delish this actually is, but looks like a great idea to get past the Thanksgiving leftover stage with leftover stuffing waffles. How about leftover turkey and stuffing Rubens? Yes, leftover turkey and stuffing find their way into a classic Reuben along with sauerkraut, Russian dressing, and Swiss cheese. I don't think I've ever had Russian dressing. I guess I keep it more on the allied side and I get French dressing or sometimes Italian, but never Russian. I wonder if there's such a thing as southern dressing. That would probably be, hmm, what would the dressing of the South be? Some kind of barbecue sauce, I guess. <laughs> but that lends the, the old civil war that we got going on within the South of what's our best barbecue sauce. So we'll just have to leave that one there. But leftover turkey and stuffing Rubens as a leftover option. How about leftover cheese dip? Don't let cheese board leftovers go to waste. A simple recipe that turns whatever you have on hand into a savory and delicious dip. Leftover cheese dip. Go to foodnetwork.com and you can get the recipe. Also, you got turkey and stuffing quiche. A quiche is the perfect way to use leftover turkey and stuffing and a little cheddar too. It's been a while since I had a good quiche. So, a great idea. Thank you, foodnetwork.com. How about Giada's turkey bolognese? A bolognese sauce can sometimes take hours to prepare, but by using shredded cooked turkey, Giada, the Food Network star, whips up this classic Italian meal quickly. And she is a lady of Italian stock herself. And I guess Giada on the Food Network knows how to make some good turkey bolognese. Recipe found there if you go to the link. Also, in our looking at the best Thanksgiving leftovers, they got 61 of them here that'll make your mouth water. How about turkey pot pie? Toss leftover vegetables plus shredded turkey into a casserole dish and top with a prepared pie crust for dinner tonight. 
a turkey pot pie. Sounds heavenly. Also, bird to the last drop. That's more of a soup. It's a creamy stew that uses both turkey bones and meat to give it some depth. Bird to the last drop. A mouth-watering recipe. How about fried stuffing bites with cranberry sauce pesto? Leftover stuffing is formed into a two-bite snack that are deep-fried and then served with cranberry pesto. Looks delish. Skipping through again, this is from foodnetwork.com. 61 Thanksgiving leftover ideas that'll make your mouth water. This looks great for a lunchtime treat. Grilled turkey, brie, and apple butter sandwich with arugula. The ultimate next day comfort food, turkey, brie, arugula, and apple butter are sandwiched between two pieces of rye bread to create a grilled cheese sandwich you'll crave year-round. Again, this has got not just your typical grilled cheese sandwich. It's got turkey and apple butter on it, and it does look delish. And you can get this, again, at foodnetwork.com. Eggs in Purgatory is a best Thanksgiving leftover mouth-watering recipe to check out. Perfect for the next day brunch. The star of this combo are the potato pancakes made from mashed potatoes, livened up with marinara sauce and Parmesan. Eggs in purgatory. A recipe definitely worth checking out. How about the open-faced hot turkey sammies? You've got the open-faced turkey sandwich that's got maple sausage and whole grain bread alongside some cranberry sauce. Makes for a great-looking picture. I think it will make for a great-tasting meal if you're able to get your hands on this thing. So, so good-looking and so delicious, I'm sure. You got the turkey Waldorf salad. Great way to take advantage of all these Thanksgiving leftovers. There are 61 of these things, and you've got plenty, plenty of a variety of choices here if you go and check out things like the stuffing stuffed mushrooms, the hot brown turkey sandwich, and maybe the the best one yet, the leftover turkey chili, a recipe found at foodnetwork.com. So thank you, Giada, and all the other wonderful chefs and cooks they've got on staff there at foodnetwork.com for helping us Get to Thanksgiving Day with all the food that was cooked for that, but then also for the delicious array of ideas in this article that you can find of 61 Thanksgiving leftover ideas that will make your mouth water. Perfect, perfect for this week when we've got we to do something with all that stuff that's uh, taking up so much space and the good old refrigerator well that wraps up hour two of the y'all show you hang on because coming up in our final hour of the y'all show we've got more headlines and more coming in from across the southeast we also will have the news and and other goings on so it's a show about the south that we want you to stick around for more of our fun it's y'all powered by y'all.com hang on
Authentic. That's the word that we're going to be talking about right now to start off this final hour of our coverage of what's going on across the South, or at least a Southern perspective of what's going on across the world on this 27th day of November. John Rawls, my name. This is the Y'all Show. It's where we talk about the South. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. We got you covered, Southeast. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. In this final hour of the Y'all Show, we are authentically going to tell you more of the headlines of the Southeast today, including a basketball player on the Vanderbilt basketball program in Nashville arrested after allegedly strangling an ex-girlfriend. What's going on in Music City? Plus, we've got some hirings and firings in college football that we'll be sharing. And we'll let you know how a couple in Nebraska, I believe it's where this happened, are competing to be the redneck of redneck uh at least in terms of getting engaged. I got that story. You know, that is actually the same state, Nebraska, that a guy named Larry the Cable Guy hails from. So there may be more rednecks in Nebraska than in South Alabama. I'm not totally sure. I'm not going to find out. But we've got a fun story to pass along as part of our news headlines of the day. Also in our final hour, we've got a Southern cultural spotlight that I'm going to get to. And this is more of a the more you know type thing. As I was traveling over the Thanksgiving break, I saw almost three, I'll say two and a half cases of idiot drivers nearly having head-on collisions because they weren't paying attention. They went and passed a car, and they didn't even look at the rules of the road, and they nearly killed several people. And This happened at least two times, and I'm thinking about it. It might have happened three times. It's happened recently, so I'll go ahead and round it up three. And if it's happened to me, you probably have seen it. Maybe you're the guilty party. So in an effort to help relearn the rules of the road, I've got an article titled Tips and Rules for Passing Another Vehicle. And some of y'all better listen up because I want you to be able to listen to the y'all show for a thousand years and you're not going to be able to listen to our show if you're either the victim of somebody not paying attention while driving and passing when there shouldn't be passing or if you're one of these guilty parties that are doing this thing. So I've got that coming up in this final hour and a look ahead of what's on the y'all show going forward the rest of the week to get involved with our program. You can text us. We've got our 24 hour, seven day a week text lines open 615-208-4184. You can email us M A I L mail at y'all.com. Thank you for all of you who take the time to find us each and every day. So Merriam-Webster has just come out with its 2023 Word of the Year. And the word, according to the article that I'm just now pulling up, is authentic. As Merriam-Webster on its online dictionary says, there has been a high volume of searches for the word's definition for several years, but 2023 saw a substantial increase thanks to stories and conversations about AI, artificial intelligence, also about celebrity culture, identity, and social media. 
The reason, according to the article at CNN.com, the reason so many look it up is because authentic has several meanings, according to the announcement on the dictionary's website, including a definition of not false or imitation and true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. So authentic is your 2023 word of the year. And uh, that's a that's a good word. I mean, that's a word that we can all benefit from if we are authentic to ourselves. And that's this this show here is an authentic representation, I think, of this region. We are not trying to be something that we're not. We're trying to, on this show and this host at least, lift your head up and educate you to to entertain you as much as we can, to make you laugh. But sometimes this is a show that, if nothing else, we have the mission to lift that head up and be authentic in doing so, to let it be known that it's okay to be a Southerner. It's okay that we may be looked down and nose raised in the air by some people in other sections of the country. We don't care how they do it up north, Okay. We're authentic, y'all, and that's why we have no problem with Merriam-Webster having that word authentic be the word of the year across the nation. President Biden is now calling on Benjamin Netanyahu, the head of Israel, and he's done this after confirming Sunday that Abigail Idan, a four-year-old American girl that has dual American-Israeli citizenship, after she the four-year-old was released by Hamas. Her parents were killed by the militant group on October 7th when they invaded Israel from the Gaza Strip of Palestine. President Biden on Sunday told reporters, thank God she's home. I wish I were there to hold her. And again, this four-year-old Abigail Idan now safely back in Israel. And there have been dozens of hostages now who've been released by Hamas since there has been this truce, and they're currently talking about extending the truce, and I hope so. I hope they bring back peace and quiet and a happy time once again for all those in that section of the world. It's been brutal brutal what's happened to Israelis as well as Palestine and the West Bank with estimated 10,000 plus dead with the strikes on that section of the Middle East since all this began October 7th. Now, another story I was going to tell you about this. I don't even have the story in front of me. I'm going to do this off the top of my head. Derek Chauvin in the news, the officer from the George Floyd Death, the officer with the knee on the neck. So he got stabbed at a prison in Tucson, Arizona on Friday and had to go to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. Latest report out of South Arizona is that Chauvin is expected to survive being shanked, it looks like, inside a prison there last week. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it just conspiratorial for me to bring this up, but how ironic 
that Chauvin gets stabbed in prison, serving a long time right now for the death of George Floyd. He gets stabbed the same week that it comes out that there are some documentaries that are just now coming out about the real history of what happened during the George Floyd protest of 2020, how people tore the place up, how they killed, looted, and more, and got away with it. And all that comes out some of last week, going into Thanksgiving, there's a new documentary that's been put out by a Minneapolis area television reporter. And I saw some of her interview, and she does a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing that thing in its entirety. But that comes out, and then Chauvin gets stabbed on Friday. It makes you scratch your head and wonder, I wonder if this was intentional. Was this an inside job? Was this a hit job at a prison in Arizona for this guy who came to national prominence by arresting George Floyd? And from what I gather, according to official Minneapolis police policy, didn't break the law by putting his knee on the neck. That that was in the officer handbook, if you will, at the time. If it's not in there, I... I stand corrected, but that, that's what I'm going back three years recalling at the current time. But he was stabbed, Chauvin was, in prison last week. And his condition somewhat shrouded. I'm not sure if he's expected to survive or have issues the rest of his life, but he was stabbed multiple times, it looks like, while in prison in Arizona. To Middle Tennessee, and a member of the Vanderbilt University basketball team has been arrested for allegedly strangling an ex-girlfriend. 21-year-old Lee Dort arrested Sunday after he allegedly strangled his ex-girlfriend. He's a member of the Vanderbilt basketball team, Dort is. And according to Vanderbilt police, they were called to McIntyre Hall on the Vanderbilt campus. After screams were heard from the second floor, when officers arrived, they met with a victim regarding her ex-boyfriend, and he is a sophomore on Coach Stackhouse's Vanderbilt basketball team. The report filed by the Vanderbilt Police Department says that that while the girlfriend or ex-girlfriend in this case was trying to get her phone back, Dort allegedly plotted and pushed and held her against the walk and bedpost by her red right arm. And she got past this strangulation. She did not die, thank goodness. But all this happened outside her dorm room in front of witnesses there on the Vanderbilt campus in Nashville. But Vanderbilt basketball player arrested after allegedly strangling an ex-girlfriend, Lee Dort, making headlines today for the wrong reasons. Mississippi State football has hired Jeff Levy to be the next coach of the Dogs. Announcement made Sunday by the athletic director of MSU, Zach Selman. And Levy comes in to replace the one-and-done coach, Zach Arnett, who coached about 10 games this year for 
being shown an early exit. Levy, most recently, had been the offensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners. Coming back to Mississippi, he had been an assistant in years past at the University of Mississippi. Now he'll be head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Terry Bowden, the son of Bobby Bowden, and for many years now has been coaching at stops along the way, including Akron, as well as most recently Louisiana Monroe. He was released Sunday. His team this year won their first two games on the season, and then the Warhawks of Northeast Louisiana lost the next 10 games. They finished 2-10 and in that FBS mid-level conference, the Sunbelt Conference, and now Bowden gone as head coach of Louisiana Monroe. Also, we got a headline coming in from Tennessee. If you are a Tennessean that had to deal with the blackouts during that Christmas spell last year, chances are you're going to have a problem again. As there's the demand out there, and with the demand going, there's also very little new energy coming in. And so with cold conditions coming into the Volunteer State and to specifically the TVA area, you're going to have the great chance of rolling blackouts. Again, nine states had rolling blackouts around Christmas last year. Demand is growing, and according to experts in the industry, they're just not building enough electric generation capacity to keep up with the demand. And so on days where you've got temperatures dipping down to zero or below, rolling blackouts are going to be back as an option for electric companies to to utilize. Taylor Swift courses in college. If you want to study up on Taylor Swift, you've got a chance now at the University of Florida. They're going to start offering a class that's going to draw parallels between Taylor Swift's enchanting lyrics and works by other famous female masterminds. The class is called Musical Storytelling with Taylor Swift and Other Iconic Female Artists a 13-week deep dive into Taylor Swift's discography. And this is all posted on the University University of Florida's website. I guess they can't brag about beating FSU as they just lost to the Knowles in the Swamp Saturday and UF probably sitting at home not going to a bowl game. So you can study up instead of on a bowl game, Florida fans, on Taylor Swift. And now UF becomes the latest school alongside Berkeley College of Music, Stanford, and NYU to offer a Taylor Swift-related course. I wonder if Taylor Swift could sign up and take that course herself. I wonder how well that would work out. Now, a story to tell you about coming in from the state of Nebraska. As a woman there just got proposed to, in a very rednecky way, and I got to tell you about it. So Samantha Commonzine's boyfriend gave her the first shot of a deer that they'd spotted on a trail camera near Lincoln, Nebraska, where they live. 
he gave her a shot. Hey, honey, I love you so much. I'm going to give you this first shot of the deer. But before the first shot is fired, the boyfriend surprised her by popping the question in the middle of a photo shoot with the prized trophy after she pulled in a giant buck with 11 tines on one side of its antlers and nine on the other. So what is that? Is that a 20-point buck, I guess? I'm not a, I'm not sure how they measure the buck capture in today's world, but sure enough, this couple now, after three years of dating, using a deer hunt to pop the question. And in the process of popping the question, she got this massive buck to go along. I wonder if the buck's going to make an appearance at the forthcoming nuptials. I, I sure hope so. Again, that story coming to us out of Nebraska, not a southern redneck, but a southern redneck at heart, it appears, from corn country here on today's Y'all Show. When we come back, we are going to tell you about something that would be very advantageous for all of you to listen and pay close attention to. Driving, specifically when you're wanting to pass, driving down a two-lane road, you need to be reminded of the rules because I'm seeing way too many close calls. I'm going to do some traffic awareness, some driver awareness, and some instruction on driving when we come right back. Jersey kid, Eddie Rabbit, getting us back from break here on Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern John is my name. Thank you for taking the opportunity to join us here as we broadcast on incredibly awesome radio stations across Dixie, as well as all of you who catch us in podcast form as we're on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, and you can also find The Y'all Show at y'all.com. So Eddie, driving his life away with that song right there, 
I almost uh, came to the end of my life driving the other day, and I thought this would be a good opportunity here on this Monday after Thanksgiving, a, a weekend, sadly, as all holiday weekends are, filled with tragedy as we have accidents happen every day, but especially on our holidays where we have so many highway fatalities. And a lot of times those happen on the interstates around the country, but I do a lot of traveling on country roads, y'all. And over the Thanksgiving break, I saw three different occasions of idiots passing cars on two-lane roads when they had no business trying to pass. And I thought, you know what? I need to get on this program Monday and remind some of you knuckleheads about the rules of driving because you evidently fell asleep that day in your driver's ed class and you're not following the rules. We're going to get people killed or even worse if you're not paying attention and following the rules of the road. So Sunday I'm driving two-lane road, narrow, curvy two-lane road. There aren't very many spots to pass a car but that's the way it goes i hate it i hate getting behind slow drivers i hate getting behind tractors and combines and anything else out there on these narrow country roads but you know what those folks that drive slow and those farmers out there have as much right to be on that highway as i do or you do as long as they're paying their taxes that is <laughs> so it's the rules of the road. It's it's etiquette, if you will. But this kind of rule of the road and etiquette can save your life. And if you saw what I saw on Sunday, you wouldn't be just saving your life. You'd be saving other people's lives because I saw people passing when they could not see more than 100 yards ahead of them because there was a, there was a hill that was disguising what was just on the other side. It could have been an 18-wheeler coming right at them. And these people decided to go ahead and pass anyway when they were just literally playing roulette, Russian roulette, on the highway. And I couldn't believe it. And I feel sorry if you're driving, doing just you're just having a great Sunday drive, following the rules of the road, you're in your lane doing your thing, and then some idiot isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they end up crashing to you head on. And I'm sorry, somebody's probably going to die in that case with a head-on collision. I, I'm just telling you the realistic sort of outcome you could find in something like that. So... I thought it would be smart today coming in after a holiday weekend to remind you in case, again, you were asleep that day at driver's ed about the rules of the road, what to know when passing another vehicle. And I actually found this from progressive.com, the insurance agency. They've got a helpful article up about sharing the road with others requires clear communication, staying calm and obeying the rules of the road. Shared expectations and responsibilities allow cars to pass each other safely. Signal twice when passing a car. 
your first signal should be before you move into passing lane, the second when you move back. Be sure to wait an appropriate length of time after signaling before you move over. That gives other drivers time to notice what you're doing. Now, according to this article at Progressive.com, there are some differences going from state to state. So check out your state that you're in's rules of the road. But here is a is a is a bullet point that goes right to what I was talking about. Driving on two lane roads. The question is, when can a car pass on a two-lane road? Passing on a two-lane road is legal when the yellow line dividing the directions of traffic is a dash on your side and when you can safely pass the vehicle ahead before getting close to oncoming traffic. You can also pass a car if no other signs make passing illegal and the road and weather conditions allow for safely passing. I guess that's whenever you're on a real country road that has no lines going down it at all. But go back to those dashes. The dashes on the stripes in the middle of the road. If, if you look closely, that dash that's going to be on the side of the road that you're driving on, if there's a dash, then it says... You can pass. You can pass at that spot. I don't think some of y'all know that when it's a solid line, you're not supposed to pass. And, you know, they didn't just kind of randomly say, let's just put a, a solid stripe here. No, no, no. These people put a lot of work into the striping of the highways, and they're done with safety in mind. And on all three occasions from this past weekend, the people that I saw passing on the two-lane road were clearly, clearly passing where it was a solid line. The one guy, the last one to pull it off, I got so frustrated that he truly, he might as well have been, you know, with a gun in his hand and had three of the chambers have a bullet in them because he truly just rolled the dice with Russian roulette when he passed because he couldn't see 50 yards ahead of him when he decided to pass that car. I got so mad that after he got in front of me, I I blew the horn at him. I, I, I guess it was a guy. See, I'm stereotyping here. <laughs> but I just, I just, there's no place for it. Nobody's in that big of a hurry. That it, it's worth costing lives. And so that's why I want to remind you of some of these rules. Again, Passing on a two-lane road, only it's only legal when the yellow line dividing the direction of traffic, if it's on your side of the road, if it's a dotted or dash line that allows you to safely pass the vehicle ahead of you. But not only do you get the chance to pass when it's a dash, but you also need to double-check because some of these dotted lines might be okay to pass right at that specific spot, but you got to be looking ahead to make sure that it's still going to be fine 200 yards down the road or more. And I have a car that i got to gun it. If I'm going to pass a car, even if I've got the go-ahead, i still got to floor it. I don't have a Tesla. (laughs) And uh, 
I I put that thing up to about 90 miles per hour and I passed. But but it does feel good to get past a slowpoke, even on a two-lane road. So those that's the main thing I wanted to pass along. Just look for those dashes out there. And absolutely do not pass on a double yellow line. Oh, I had a guy. Okay, going back to I knew there was another occasion. So Thanksgiving night, I'm driving. Another pickup truck passes me on a double yellow line, this time on a curve. It wasn't a hill like the truck from Sunday did where they truly had no clue. This guy passed me on a curve with a double yellow line and was flying, flying. And I just sat there. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This was probably 830 on a Thanksgiving night. They'd already had their Thanksgiving meal. Come on. What's the big rush? You're not going to be going off to a Black Friday deal in the direction you were going in, truck. But they passed me. But the funny thing, right before they passed me, a car coming toward me did the old light blinky thing toward me. And y'all know what that means. That means there's a police up ahead. And uh, so I got that little blinking light deal to me and Mr. Truck behind me that decided to pass me on a double yellow line. He, 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 he didn't see that. And it wasn't about two miles down the road. I saw a blue light. And guess what? They got that truck for going too fast. And I almost pulled in there and say, hey, I was going to snitch on them. That truck just passed me a few miles back on a double yellow line. Lock them up and throw the key away, police. Yes, just let's just drive more responsible. You know, we got... Way too many people that are continuing to lose their lives on the highways of our country and specifically here in our case, the South. And I want to save lives. And I want to remind you what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing. So Progressive.com's got a question here. When is it illegal to pass another vehicle? And according to this article, even in the absence of specific signage, passing is illegal when you have a solid yellow line on your side of the road, and if you are approaching a curve, hill, or other obstruction that prevents you from seeing traffic clearly, in several states, it's illegal to pass if you are within 100 feet of a bridge or railroad crossing, or there's a school bus stopped ahead. All of this is perfectly reasonable and makes perfect sense of why these rules are in place to save your life, to save other lives. So progressives got some general tips for passing a car to keep in mind. First of all, check your blind spot before you merge into another lane. When I have gotten new cars the last two or three times, I have specifically gone to the auto zones, the other national chains, wherever. If you've got a, a, a good local place you can go by, that's a great place to, but I specifically go by and get the little circular mirrors that are omnidirectional, I guess, mirrors to where I can stick them on my rear view mirror over on the driver's side. And it lets me see the blind, blind spots. And I rely on that primarily when I'm changing lanes. I got that idea from driving 12 wheel pickup trucks or 12 wheel delivery trucks back in my agriculture days. And I 
really like those things. They really do help out. So I encourage anybody that's driving to look into those little small circular mirrors. I don't even know what they're called. Maybe blind spot mirrors, but they make a big difference. And I have never almost run into a car while trying to decide to pass with those things on. Otherwise, what I have to do is literally turn my head to the left to make sure I'm not in a blind spot. And that's not a safe thing to do. That's not a smart thing to do. And we don't want you to doing that either. So I would say invest in one of these cheap little stick-on mirrors for your rearview mirror. And, again, check your blind spot before you decide to merge into another lane. Another tip for passing a car is avoid weaving back and forth and aggressive driving behaviors. Don't do that. Also, where's Rick when you need him? Don't camp in the left lane Move over once you've passed a slower vehicle. So this guy that I know, Rick, loses his mind whenever a 18-wheeler specifically is in the left lane on interstates. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, truckers out there, I feel for you. You got a tough job. You really do. And you don't need to be dealing with these idiots that are driving cars that are doing things the wrong way and – driving in ways that could threaten your life and or theirs or others. But whether you're driving an 18-wheeler or you're just a regular car going down the road, don't hang out in the left lane. That's, I think, Mr. Rick specifically said, the left lane is for passing only. (laughs) Uh, Very good point, sir. And, yes, use that left lane for passing only. And, and don't camp out in that lane. That will help you as a very good tip in the car passing etiquette that we're learning here today. Also, a tip, avoid passing a vehicle on the right and follow the speed limit. So in this case, if you do have a slow car over on the left-hand lane, this tip from Progressive says avoid passing them on the right. I don't think many many people are going to follow that rule if you got a slow poke over on the left, unless they're going super slow and you can pass them on the right at the speed limit. But this is not Talladega out there on the highways, y'all. We got to be safe. Another tip when in, ter- in terms of passing cars, move over before passing smaller vehicles like motorcycles or bikes. You know, those those specifically, I'm real concerned about when I'm deciding whether to pass or not, because a lot of times you just don't expect to have a motorcycle right beside you when you're getting ready. The, the, the object in the mirror is not as massive as a car or truck would be. And so just be very, very careful. And not everybody that drives a motorcycle is plowing down the road in a Harley that's making a lot of noise of which you get that little alert in your brain. Oh, there's a motorcycle beside me. They might be on some kind of real quiet motorcycle and you don't even know they're there until you decide to make that move and boom, you hit them. And that's not going to be a good result. So again, according to Progressive, you want to move over before passing smaller vehicles like motorcycles or bikes. Again, Driving rules and etiquette 
are easily forgotten, and that's why I'm taking a moment here today to tell you about them and let you get more and more experience and get more of this stuff back into your head that you follow these rules. we got a lot of bad driving habits. We don't need to have passing cars be a bad driving habit because we know where this one can lead if you're passing cars when you're not supposed to be, and it could lead to your own death and most likely will if you are not following these rules and you're passing cars, going up hills, around curves, totally ignoring the rules of the road, and you could end up killing yourself, somebody in your car, a loved one, and then you could kill innocent people coming towards you. I even thought about this. I started slowing down Sunday when I saw that truck pass because what I assumed would happen is the car that this guy nearly hit. I mean, this car, there was a car coming. The car had to slam on its brakes to avoid a head-on collision. What if that car had lost control and the truck missed it, but then that car out of control comes and slams into me? This is when we need, you know, we got ring cameras on our houses. We need to have ring cameras on our cars. Everybody has a ring camera. We're probably not that far off. There may even be such a thing now that I think about it. And that would be real helpful in cases of accidents, in cases of all kinds of things. We probably just need to have cameras from up above in the satellite and the orbit out there just you know, zoom in on us and watch every single move we make. That would be a great idea, don't you think? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's 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 a scary time. We don't need to make it worse on ourselves, y'all. And, again, we just had Thanksgiving, and I know we had accidents around the country and people lost their lives on what should have been a wonderful, wonderful couple of days of family. And we had 55 million people hit the road for Thanksgiving, by the way. And you got a, another holiday right around the corner with Christmas that we want we want to all – travel but we want to travel safely whether it's for a holiday or if it's just going down to get a gallon of milk let's all get through it the right way and the safe way y'all and thank you again for letting me take a few moments to talk about these rules the big rule again do not pass when there's a solid yellow line for goodness sakes just hold off you you can wait you absolutely can wait so thank you for that uh Good service tip of the day from all of us here at the Y'all Show, where we got y'all in mind. We're going to wrap up this Monday edition when we come right back. I've got some tease, some teasers, if you will, of what's coming up on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of this week. We'll tell you about it right after this timeout.
So I was at a great catfish restaurant Friday night, and the cover band up there playing played a McBride and the Ride song, y'all. So I just had to close up today's show with a little McBride and the Ride to, to wrap up to this uh, Monday, y'all show. Great song from 1993 there. Join us on Tuesday. We've got a Southern Political Report book talk on Tuesday's y'all show. We will also have the Takapola Storyteller dropping by Tuesday. Wednesday's y'all show. We got more headlines and food for thought. Thursday, Kiefer is going to drop by talking college football. And Friday, Paul here will be here. All on the y'all show. Where's that?